I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. We're not mocking you. I'm just enjoying you. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not very often that I get excited on the podcast, so I suppose that's remarkable. <laughs> and I don't have any coffee today because I don't have coffee on campus and I was running late. And I couldn't oh, no. Time, so. That's terrible. Uh, I thought you gave up coffee. I gave up coffee months ago, but I gave it up, gave it down again. <laughs> you gave up giving it up? <laughs> gave it down again. <laughs> oh, I like that. That is so good. <laughs> I'm going to use so that funny, one. I I, <laughs> You bought me coffee, then I had to give away, and then I should have just kept it in the freezer or something so I could make it. Did I, did I ever tell you guys how my brother answers a question no? Like, an obvi- like if the answer is obviously no, so we're like, hey, are you, are you going to have 10 more kids? He'll be like... Is the Pope Jewish? <laughs> that, so that's how he does. I'm like, oh, that's so. That's such a great way to say no. All right, gentlemen, we are pulling out the landing gear, getting ready to land this plane, and uh, we are uh, at the paragraph 84 mm. in the general instruction of the Roman Missal, mm-hmm. the communion. We just talked about the fraction uh, fracture. And, and uniting nature. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about communion and then, you know, ultimately the concluding rites. So uh, I'm going to go take a nap and then you guys can finish the uh, season. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a nap too because Chris seems to be running the, running the show this year. Uh, okay. So where were we, Chris? Last episode. Yeah. We were just we're, at the Our Father and the prayer after the Our Father, the embolism, right? Yeah, we were getting properly disposed to receive communion, and now it's communion time. Bingo! Bingo! Bing. That's after now, Mass. Yeah. Remember one of those uh, those linguistic terms that we said you repeat the same sentence again and again? Do you remember what that one was? Repeat the same word. Uh yeah. Was it, it wasn't anadiplosis, was it? No. No. Anadiplosis when the thing when the word goes in the middle of the uh, two a repetition words, of beginnings. Uh I have a dream, I have a dream. Yeah. Have a dream that, yeah. I don't remember what it is. All right. Well, I thought I was gonna give you this awesome lead in and then you blew it. <laughs> I did. I did because Lord, deliver us from evil, and then it becomes deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil, right? There's this repetition of that to signify our uh eagerness to be delivered from evil and to receive peace, right? We just uh, will have that sign of peace and we're asking for mm-hmm. peace in our day. And then by the help of his mercy, be free from sin. That's what we're asked. Preparation for communion, mm-hmm. safe from all distress, full of hope, waiting for Jesus. Okay. Like there's like this, that's a really good condition to be in, isn't it? If yeah. you're freed from all evil, all distress, yeah. full of hope, waiting for the second coming. And you're about to receive in a way, kind of the second coming, right? Christ is going to come to you mm-hmm. in the Eucharist any, any minute there. Yeah. In fact, even I printed this prayer off and just sort of made it a, I mean, is anybody anxious these days? <laughs> Fearful? <laughs> uh, in distress? It's a good prayer to kind of make your own personal prayer, I think, if, uh, if you're in that uh, situation. I suppose about 7 billion people are these days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's that embolism prayer, Dennis, that um, 
Yeah, it's one of those things that's uh, meant to dispose us for uh, communion. But when we get to when we get to actual the actual communion part, so this is like at number eighty four, in the germ, uh, we read that uh, the priest prepares himself by a prayer said quietly. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that prayer is? Well, it's right there, one thirty one, right? Oh, page six sixty eight of the missal. No, 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 one twenty nine, one twenty nine. Oh, one twenty nine. Yeah. Oh, may this mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to us who receive it. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some, again, if I can plug Adoramus again, we have this series, which I'm sure you guys have been reading about, by Father Boniface Hicks, uh, OSB, um, who's written a series on the private prayers of the priest uh, at Mass of very beautiful spiritual insights. But yeah, so this one, again, it's said uh, quietly, hey, we... Here's another podcast topic to write down, right? The, the many voices of the priest at mass, you know, sometimes he pray, he speaks on behalf of the church. So, uh, sometimes he speaks on behalf of the assembly gathered. Sometimes he speaks in the voice of Jesus. Sometimes he speaks in his own voice. And this is one of those. But even then, it's uh, he has us in mind, right? So it's this mingling of the body and blood. So that brings Christ together, but us together in him. But, you know, who of us would have ever heard this, presuming that the priest says it quietly, may the mingling of this body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to those who receive it. Now, go back to the germ at 84, <coughs> so that he may fruitfully receive the body and blood of Christ. See, in sacramental theology class there at the LI, so they talk about sacramental efficacy, and that refers to the working of the perfect work of Jesus in every single sacrament no matter how well or poorly, as long as it's valid, uh, it's celebrated by the minister. But and when- That would be ex opere operato, right. correct? Yeah, exactly. By the work but, worked. By the work, 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 work. But when it talks about us, the word <laughs> hey, is- hey, uh, Mate, Michael, can you make a sound effect out of work, 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 <laughs> to go with bingo? <laughs> Uh, that it speaks, the term is fruitfulness, right? So Jesus is a hundred percent present and active and working, but depending on our disposition, it's going to be more or less fruitful. And that's okay. So pray, but that, operantis, 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 yeah, operantis, good operantis. job, Dennis. Yeah. What's the last line though? This is the line that I didn't know was there. I didn't notice it before. Do you see it? That last sentence of, uh, number 84, that first paragraph. You wait, wait, wait. You didn't know it was there. That something's not right then. Well, mine says the priest next shows the faithful the Eucharistic bread. Is that what you were thinking? Of? No, no, no. The the last oh, sentence the, above it. Oh, the faithful do the same, praying quietly. That one. Yeah. 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 So even though the priest is praying this prayer, you know the faithful are to be doing the same, praying quietly. It doesn't have to be that prayer, although, hey. That might be a good prayer to to say as a member of the faithful. Well, I want to have a Jean Hani uh, callback here, right? Because. What is the mingling of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? And why would it bring eternal life to those who receive it? Because he's saying this as he breaks the host over the patent and places a small piece in the chalice, right? That's the, the rubric that's there. Didn't you say that death uh, death was the like absence of blood and blood was life-giving? And so when you rejoin the blood and the body, mm-hmm. that there is life in there. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it's the reconnecting of the body and blood. If your life, uh, the quality of blood all the way through the Old Testament and really all traditional societies, there's something about blood as the life-giving thing. You you give the blood of the animal to the God or whatever. So if you've separated them in the double consecration, then you have this signification of the death. And then when they're mingled, you have that signification of the resurrection and 
may this bring eternal life to us who receive it. We're receiving the resurrected body. And then I suppose we mingle with him and he with yeah. us so that right. we you know, become uh, th- that uh, commer- commercium that uh, St. Augustine, t- this commerce, that uh, this exchange that goes between us and God and brings us, mingles us together, unites right. us. And the famous line that when we eat regular food, it becomes us. But when we eat the Eucharist, we become it, right? Because we're receiving this uh, yeah. divine charge of divine existence. Yeah. You get digested into the mystical body of Christ. Yeah. Okay. Pretty good. All right. So that, yeah. Now, Dennis, go to the next uh, paragraph at 84. The next paragraph of 84. The priest next shows the faithful the Eucharistic bread, holding it above the paten or above the chalice. I've seen those options, so I see they're both there, and invites them to the banquet of Christ. Now, the... Um I remember this from a, a presentation I did with Father Eusebius once. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, so he taught mass practicum for a long time. And, and I think usually what you see, although I was surprised I didn't see it here more explicitly here, right? The priest has broken the host. And he's taken a piece off and put it in the chalice. And so it's the broken host that he's showing to the people above the chalice or above the patent. And we were giving this presentation. We had this picture of Christ the priest, Christ the high priest. It's a very common one. You see it oftentimes if you go to oh, an ordination or something like that. And it's, it's Jesus in uh, mass vestments, and he's holding an unbroken host above the chalice. So just type mm. in Christ the priest. I remember he quipped, yeah, there's Jesus uh, celebrating illicit mass again. <laughs> 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 well, it's he, supposed well, to be fractured. Anyway. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. He, like whenever he saw the, the you know symbol, you see it in stained glass window mm-hmm. or like different Christian you know uh, designs, where you'd have the chalice and the host above it. Yeah. He always told me that technically the deacon holds the chalice and the priest has the host. Oh, and so, no, not, so at that, not at that part. Oh, we're not there yet. No, okay. no, no, that's already happened. That's at the end of the oh, Eucharistic okay. prayer, the through him, with him, and in him. So, yeah. No, oh, this yeah, point. Sure. Yeah, oh, this I see. Okay, point. sorry. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I'm in the wrong part, yeah. of, wrong part of Mass. But. Anyway, yeah, so he shows uh, that to the faithful, uh, and uh, he then makes an act of humility using the prescribed words from where? The gospel. So what What are these, what's this act of humility that... Um, that he's he's going to say when he shows it to the people. Actually, you know what we ought to do. Let's let's uh, let's get out of the germ and go back to the order of mass. Yeah. Right? So because again, the they're, they're helpful, but the germ is not a linear type of document in all instances. Okay, so if we go back to the order of mass. Um, so we talked about uh, that prayer, the mingling. Then we have the Lamb of God. Do you have any uh, anything to say about the Lamb of God? Well, there's a long history with the lamb, right? Of course, as the sacrificial animal all the way to Passover and offered in the temple. And of course, John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God. So these are words from scripture as well. Yeah, yeah. So the lamb as the victim who takes away sins is a deeply uh, biblical thing. Yeah, okay. So that's uh, yeah, the words from the gospel. Then at 131, there's two more private prayers. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have those there? And apparently been. in the uh, preconciliar uh, mass, both of these would be said. I think the priest only says one of these now. Do you see them? I do. Yes. All right. What do you, Jesse, what do you, what's the first one? 
Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who by the will of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit through your death give, gave life to the world, free me by this, your most holy body and blood, from all my sins and from every evil. Keep me always faithful to your commandments and never let me be parted from you. Okay, so uh, any commentary on that? Sounds awesome. Love Sounds it. awesome. Next. No. Uh, so, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> well, so it's Trinitarian, Lord Jesus Christ, will of the Father, work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, whom is he addressing? Or is it who is he addressing? Who's he talking to? Jesus Christ. Jesus, why? Yeah, you know, so so many of these prayers um, are all addressed to the Father, but notice kind of in the uh, in the... After the consecrations, these prayers seem to be addressed more directly to Christ. So go back to the sign of peace, Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. And now you have this prayer, and it's addressed to Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Son of the Living God. And what is it? What is the petition in this? To basically remove sins and every evil from him. And be united to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, uh, helping that uh, disposition. Now, what's the second prayer, uh, Dennis? May the receiving of your body and blood, Lord Jesus Christ, not bring me to judgment and condemnation, but through your loving mercy, be for me protection in mind and body and a healing remedy. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with me and what do I do about it? Right there. Yeah. That's (laughs) that's kind of life's uh, $60,000 question. Yeah. Okay. Go to number 132 in the order of mass. It says, uh, the priest genuflects. Takes the right, so there's three genuflections. I think that's the, the act of humility that we were talking about. That's part right? of it, yeah. He says again, as our father Eusebius would say, he literally grounds himself to the humus. He touches the the humus, the dirt, the soil, the clay. So the priest genuflects after showing the host, after showing the chalice back in the Eucharist prayer. And this is the third time he's going to genuflect, holding it slightly raised above the paten or above the chalice, face the people, and says. Ecce agnus dei, ecce quitolis peccata mundi. Uh, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. So where is this in the gospel? Right, so the, the germ said these, the, well, maybe it's talking about the prayer of humility, but who? where did they get these words? John oh, the Baptist, man. behold the Lamb of God, oh, behold yeah. him oh, who takes yeah. away the sins of the world. Already, and that's, so I okay. thought there must have been a trick. Now, now the other oh, one. I knew that one. The Dang other it. one. Uh, blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. The Lamb. That Where's sounds that? like Book of Revelation to me. That's exactly a Book of Revelation. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. The angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who have been called to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Revelation uh, 19.19. Yep, so this the, the church prays in Bible. You know, so much, especially of the of the Roman rite, derives its prayers directly from scripture. Okay. And then together with the people, he has this prayer of humility. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Okay. That line was Comment. no uh lack of uh had no lack of uh, controversy around it, right? When the the translation of the new missile came out. Right? Yeah, what was it before? I, I don't even remember. I'm not what worthy it was. that I to receive you, but only say the word, and I shall be healed. So, oh, yeah. receive, I guess they thought was a kind of better way to say enter under my roof, right? Like the roof of your person is your mouth, right? So you're sort of receiving under your roof, uh, hmm. and then I shall be healed. Even though the Latin said anima mea or my my soul. Mm-hmm. But I remember the arguments during Mystical Body, Mystical Voice days were that, that this was more close to the scripture. It was the, uh, what was it, the soldier 
who said this uh, to Christ, I'm not worthy that you should enter into my roof, like yeah, to come do, into the house with me. Yeah. Do you remember the, say sto- the word? Do you remember the story? He didn't have a place to stay, right? Christ didn't have a place to stay, so that no. Uh, this is the centurion. I don't remember the place. Was it Capernaum? So many things are in Capernaum. Jesus comes, and there's a centurion who has a sick uh, servant. servant. Yep. And Jesus comes and says, "Okay, let's go. Uh, let's go take care of him." And the centurion says to him, "I'm not worthy to have you under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant shall be healed." Okay. And Jesus, amazed. I think it is the next line. He turns to his disciples and says, uh, I tell you, not in all of Israel have I seen such faith. That's to a say that line. to a Roman soldier is a yeah. big deal since they're the traditional enemies of the of Israel. Well, and you, think, and you compare the centurion to Jesus. So the centurion is a part of the, the, conqueror, the conquerors, the Roman Empire. He's got... Presumably a centurion uh, is in charge of 100 people, although I don't think that's actually true. Jesus has only got 12. Centurion is a powerful soldier. Jesus is uh, uh, itinerant carpenter. Okay, so which one in the eyes of the world is the more important? Centurion. Centurion, of course. But he lowers himself. This is why this is a great act of humility, is the, the ostensibly greater one says, I'm the one who's not worthy to have you. You know, you you conquered man uh, with no place to lay your head, wandering around with the uh, twelve apostles. He lowers himself before Jesus. So this is the great act of humility that the centurion does. And so when people say this when they go to mass, it's right. the The dynamics of receiving the Eucharist is that you have to have humility because the Eucharist can't change you otherwise. If you have hubris instead of humility, then it won't change you. It'll only harm you. And so this is why the church puts, uh, puts the word of the centurion on our lips. Right. And I love the part about only say the word, right? Christ is the word. The father spoke the word. Um, the word is how the Eucharist is confected. You know, we, we always talk about having a word-based system here. Mm-hmm. So it is spoken and it is so. And so Christ is being acknowledged as, as God here, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, let's go back to 133. So some more silent prayers here. The priest facing the altar says quietly, may the body of Christ keep me safe for eternal life. And he reverently consumes the body of Christ. Then he takes the chalice and says quietly, may the blood of Christ keep me safe for eternal life. And he reverently consumes the blood of Christ. Okay, so let's go back. I have a question yeah. about that, Chris. So just just to be clear, you, you, had, you said that we say a prayer to ourselves. So the one yes. that I recited, 131, um, directed to Christ. That's something you, that you think maybe the faithful could say before they go up to receive communion, correct? Uh, what did I mean by that? Um, because no, you said the no, no, faithful no. do the same, praying silently. That's what we were talking about. Is that? No, I think they had in mind there that, that at 129, may the mingling of this body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although, for, I don't know, Jesse, actually, that's a great point. I mean, it'd be appropriate to say, <laughs> to be praying for proper it's, disposition it be of both of them, right? Oh, yeah. And no. so then, so then, the, my next question is: maybe before we receive, or after we receive, to ourselves, could we say, "May the body of Christ keep me safe for eternal life"? Is sure, it, like that's that, the gist of what of what's happening. Yeah, the body think, of Christ is freeing you from sins and uniting, mingling you with God and the rest. Because because we've had this conversation a lot about. Uh, hylomorphic and all the, you know, like words mm-hmm. and things. And I think us as a faithful, 
um, I don't know. I've always felt like there weren't, there aren't enough directives about yet. Yes. We're enjoining in, you know, the, these dialogues and, and everything that's, you know, laid out there. But when it comes to actually receiving, which we'll go to in a little bit, like, I, I just feel like there, there could be more directives for us to say this, you know, say this aloud and then say this thing in your heart or, you know, that type of stuff. Oh, yeah, I agree completely. I mean, think about a seven-year-old receiving his or her first Holy Communion. They'll go through the mechanics of that, you know, you know, over and over again. But who teaches the child, you know, that this is, this is what's happening when, when you receive Jesus uh, and this is how you do it. I don't mean you know, sticking your tongue out, whatever it is. This is how you prepare yourself prayerfully. This is what you do when you get back to your pew. Right, exactly. So, I should that remind <laughs> I throw this in too? Uh, this, this kind of, oh, it's, uh, I was reading this on my uh, retreat, Conversation with uh, Christ. It's about the spirituality of uh, Teresa of Avila. But uh, the author talks about this girl who goes back to her pew after receiving First Holy Communion. And her parents asked her what she did, what she when she got back, she says, oh, I said a prayer for mommy and daddy and my uh, sister, Helen. And then I recited to Jesus my ABCs. And then I told him a ghost story. <laughs> I thought, you know, but how beautiful is that? That uh, you get back to your pew and, you know, this little girl was spot on. I'm talking to Jesus now about anything that's on my mind and heart right now. That, who, who's taught that? Who has taught that? But anyway, we're jumping ahead a little bit. Let's go back to the germ at uh, number 85. 85? (laughs) We'll never get through the communion right. Okay. Dennis, you got 85? I do. It is most desirable that the faithful, just as the priest himself is bound to do, receive the Lord's body from hosts consecrated at the same mass. Stop. Why? Yeah. Because that's what they offered during that mass. I think so, too. I mean... It's like, hey, Father, I helped make that up there. You know, <laughs> my heart is in is on that patent right now. You know, my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings are on that altar. And see, but you can't say, can you, can you give me that host? That's the one I was actually looking <laughs> yeah, at. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly the. And I think this will go a long way. I mean, if people are concerned about, uh, I don't know how much of a concern it is now, but. You know, 30 years ago, it was about the meal aspect, the meal aspect, the meal aspect of the Eucharist. And there is obviously a heavenly banquet aspect about it. But if you re- if you really did want to bring to the fore the sacrificial nature of what's going on here, I mean, I think distributing communion from the altar versus the tabernacle. Now, listen, I get it. There's, there's lots of sort of practical, logistical uh, difficulties in that. But you know, imagine you've got a whole assembly in there who's helped to make in their own way that sacrifice, and that's what they uh, could or should be receiving back here, according to the germ. Sure, and it doesn't mean that a host consecrated another mass is any less body, Correct. soul, and divinity of Christ. Yeah. I, I think I'm discovering just in talking about these last couple of podcasts is when you hear the word "it is desirable" or "most desirable." It's the church kind of saying, although it's not legally necessary, it does bring out the sign value of the nature of the liturgy itself. I'm going to start using that phrase with my children. It is desirable that you <laughs> go wake to up bed. right away. But yeah, it is desirable that you go to bed. You know, but it's uh, the whole, je- uh, what's the word here? Uh, impetus for this podcast this year, right? 
was really Traditionis Custodes, because um, one of the things that Pope Francis said in that, quoting Pope Benedict, is that uh, the prescriptions of the new missal are not being followed. And so people go to Mass and they see the prescriptions of the new missal not being followed, and they think, well, I'm going to... I want to go somewhere where where I can where I can participate in the mass, and that's celebrated in a more faithful way. And very often, uh, that's in the preconciliar books. And so, the I think the Holy Father's letter in Traditionis Custodes was written as much to kind of uh, post-conciliar uh, participants that in celebrants to celebrate the mass according to the missal, and then this will help. Uh, affect that reconciliation of all Catholics in, and it cease being a source of uh, distortion in idiosyncrasies, as I think he says in some point. And so uh, you're right. I mean, to, to see these things, like you're, you're saying, Dennis, it's being desirable. Okay, this is what the church wants me to do. Bam, I'm doing it. If she desires it, this is what I'm doing. And I think that's the way to go about it anyway. Yeah, well, the insight I had there was I think desirable is code language for bring out the sign value. Right? Yeah. Even if it's not absolutely necessary, it means this is the best way to do it. Well, and, you know, to, to hear well, Cardinal Seurat say this, you know, if, if what plagued the preconciliar liturgy very often was a, was a, it was a degree of minimalism, you know, just, just get through the right. And, well, we, we haven't shaken that <laughs> in the, in the post conciliar era. There's still a degree of minimalism, but if the church desires you to bring out the fullness, then do it. This is what, what Pope Francis, Pope Benedict, John Paul II, the council have all been calling us to. Anyway. Yeah. Take that low mass. Okay. Go back to, <laughs> uh, um, all right. And then it, then it continues Dennis there, uh, in the cases where it's foreseen, they partake of the chalice. Okay, explain that one. Why does the church want us to receive from the chalice? Uh, and, and it's permitted they partake of the chalice so that even by means of the signs, communion will stand out more clearly as a participation in the sacrifice, sacrifice. actually being celebrated. The one actually being celebrated, right? So, Because yeah. we don't reserve precious blood the right, way that we, we reserve yeah. hosts. So that's, I like, that's really interesting. I never thought about well, that. But huh. again, it's the... It's 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 in light of the sacrificial nature of the Eucharist that the Church wants you to receive from the chalice. See, you know, the baptized are not the same as the ordained, but an ordained priest has to receive a host from that Mass, and he has to receive the precious blood to complete the sacrifice, right? So if, if we want to... Uh, what did you say before, Dennis? Not downplay, but upplay or whatever. Emphasize that <laughs> sacrificial character. Then, then these things ought to be, you know, taken seriously. Now, it, I don't know if the chalice will ever return, will it? In these post-COVID years, are they distributing no, communion? Maybe from the not the way we've been places? doing it. Maybe by intinction yeah, or something, possibly. it could return. And I think that's a better way to receive anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Intinction okay. is dipping the host. That, in that, that just brought a new aspect because I always thought. The receiving the precious blood was just a fullness of the sacrifice, and and it is, but that extra component of the the fullness of the sacrifice at that particular mass that you participated in, mm -hmm. because that wine has or the precious blood has to be consumed mm -hmm. at the end. You know what I mean? I, yeah. That I think is a really cool aspect of that quote unquote argument for both species. Yeah, well, and we should, uh, that's not the only thing. Is, is the Eucharist uh, a meal or a sacrifice? 
Yes. Both. Yes. Okay. So if you should receive under both forms and from that altar, ideally, uh, for the sacrificial dimension, should you also receive from that altar and under both forms for the meal aspect? You would think so. Otherwise, yeah. it's kind of like giving uh, leftovers and uh, then not giving anybody anything to drink, right? At yeah. the low level, right? Oh, or yeah. seconds. Sometimes it's seconds. Yeah. Imagine you go to a, a wedding banquet. Just imagine you do, you know, but there's no wine. <laughs> okay. Or and you, you talk or, to Mary. Yeah. Or you're, yeah. Or you receive something that's not, you know, uh, uh, made recently. Right. Well, this is what we're at. You're, it was from the previous wedding reception. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> it right. says, con Wait, congrats, <laughs> Alexis and Andrew, not Jesse and Kim. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so here you are. You're going to the wedding feast of the Lamb, and uh, you've got the finest fare in heaven and on earth uh, right there. So, yeah, so I think for both dimensions, both aspects of the Eucharist, the, those things, those desirable things of the church are uh, for that purpose. Well, it reminds me of at my wedding reception, Chris, uh, we had uh, uh, my mother-in-law worked at a country club, and and this chef there made these really amazing chocolate-covered strawberries. And so, as I was leaving the reception, I saw my cousin, uh, and he had I think eight boxes of these chocolate strawberries. Mm. And I'm like, "What are you doing, man?" He's like, "Well, no one was going to eat these." And so I think that's that's the spirit. He was in the spirit of the wedding feast. I think yeah. they have these have to be consumed. Yeah. Now, Chris, there's yeah. a little line there in 133. The rubric is mm -hmm. the priest facing the altar says quietly. Now, I've heard some tratty friends mm -hmm. say, well, oh, that's proof that they really wanted other random liturgy anyway, because it, if he's how can he face the altar? Right. He's he's shown the host to the people. Now he faces the altar. So therefore, he's turning away from the people. I've heard other people say, well, that's just a rubric they didn't update in the missile and so it's a, it's a little uh, hmm. leftover yeah look at number 127 dennis 127. so this go back to the sign of peace so the priest has just finished saying lord jesus christ who right. said your apostles towards the people extends and then joining his hands says the peace of the lord be with you always. yeah so this, did they just forget to update these uh <laughs> these rubrics yeah like half a dozen times in the order of mass i yeah. don't think so no, no, this, this is, uh, I, I think it's, uh, I'm but a big, go ahead. Isn't that continuity? Isn't that hermeneutic? Like if it doesn't say, you know what I mean? There wasn't intended to change something. Why would it be changed? You know? Yeah. Well, no, I think it's, 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 it's evidence that uh, mass can be celebrated, uh, either ad orientem or versus populum in the post-conciliar books. I mean, Vatican clarifications have said exactly that thing is that it makes provision for, for mass facing the people or mass uh, towards God with the people. And again, I, I think it would be just the 14 minutes of the Eucharistic prayer where this would, would take place. Or the, right, part because the versus populum means facing, doesn't mm -hmm. mean to. Like the mass has never said to the people, it's said by the priests and people together to God. Okay, if that's the reality, way. what... Uh, well, then you could say, well, the sign is way better if the priests and the people are all looking... <laughs> toward God, right? Rather than the grand marshal of the parade walking backwards and looking at the people, you know, following. Yeah. The, the yeah. That's there, the, so. that's the sacramentality of the, of the ad orientum, uh, uh, you know, the, where the dawn from on high breaks upon us. Let's yeah. all, let's all head to the East. Ontology, so. not chronology. That's what I, it's one of my favorite new lines. I'm trying to make people yes. remember in my classes. What's the nature of the thing? As opposed to what was this decade or that decade, hmm. your favorite oh. high point in your life. 
ontologically, by nature, by definition, what would make yeah. the best, the most sense? All right. All right. Well, we're up to uh, we're up to number eighty six, uh, but I suppose maybe that should uh, wait for another podcast. All right. So we're almost there. We're almost ready to one receive more. You think one more? We'll get through all this. Maybe. <laughs> if, if you wouldn't talk so much, Chris. Sorry. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let us let's answer a liturgy question. And am I getting paid by the word? Well, you're definitely not getting paid for this last episode because we were trying to get this done in two. Yeah, so sorry. this one's a freebie. Bingo. Yeah, you gave us a freebie. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, okay. Mail call. Mail call. Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? In my case, sir, the question is totally without meaning. Do we have a question, Jesse? Nope. Uh, All right. All right. Have a good week, everybody. No. Thank you, and God bless. <laughs> oh, you Bingo. guys. You guys were right on the money there. All right. Uh, we do have a question this week. This question comes from, uh, oh, I guess this is a uh, another Kunagunda here. Okay. Kunagunda says, at the Mass I attended this morning, at the end of the opening prayer, the priest included, quote, and I forgive you all of your sins, the sins of your past, the sins of your youth, end quote. And then closed with the sign of the cross. Is this valid? And if so, what does it mean? Hmm. Well, valid is uh, maybe perhaps not the right question. Licit, I guess, is the better word. Is this allowed by law, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it's not in any prescription that I'm aware of that, uh, you know, the books, it, it's... Uh, yeah, the books tell you what to say and when to say it, and it doesn't say to do that. <laughs> no, it'd be it'd be listen, but it'd also be uh, I think it, an invalid uh, formula of absolution. Right? It I mean it, in the in the germ itself when it talks about the penitential act, uh, what does it say? The right conclude. Now this this is after the opening prayer. I don't know. The whole thing is uh, is kind of hard to track. <laughs> But at least yeah, she, during she the penitential after, act, yeah. She says uh, at the end of the opening oh, prayer. The opening prayer. Hmm. I don't know what that's about. The right, but for the penitential act at least, which apparently is something different, the right concludes with a priest's absolution, which, however, lacks the efficacy of the sacrament of penance. So if the penitential act in mass lacks that same sort of efficacy to forgive mortal sins as does the sacrament of penance then some other insertion after the opening prayer surely would lack the same efficacy as well so yeah i don't i don't don't know the genesis of that dennis did you want to add anything no chris is a genius that's all i have to uh, say <laughs> all right kunagunda if uh i hope this answers your question and if you want to email us a question or ask us a question, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com or tweet us at liturgyguys. Thank you. And, and God, God bless. bless. Another episode of Liturgy Guys has mercifully come to an end. Our hosts are Chris, Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Carsons, Dennis, Big McNamara, and Jesse, Y-O-Y-O-Wyler. Our producers are Michael, Don't Be So Coy, and Nathan, First Round Draft Pickman. Our epiclesis inspector is Isabel Ringing. Our liturgical bookkeeper is Miss L. Romano. Our official aerobics instructor is Jen Uflecht. Our enforcer of choral discipline is Don B. Flat. Our official rubrics interpreter is Dewey Neal. 
Our self-gift provider is Kenosis. Our simplicity enforcer is Fran Siskin. And lastly, our crack team of confessors is Dewey, Shrivam, and Howe. And even though overstoles become understoles when they hear us say it, we are the, the Liturgy, Liturgy Guys. Guys.